Hey there, Tony here again with the words and music of Faith, Hope, and Love podcast, episode number 27. And it's the last episode of 2013. I can't believe that uh, this much time has already gone by and I've gone over a half a year doing this every week. That's great. I've enjoyed every bit of it. I hope you're enjoying it and uh, I'm glad you're here today. If, if, if you've just found this for the first time, uh, my website is my name, Tony Funderburk, debt, <laughs> debt com, <laughs> I don't know. It must have been a Freudian slip there. Tony Funderburk.com, T O N Y F U N D E R B U R K.com. And I have um, a history of words and music, so I decided to apply that to uh, my faith, which is a Christian faith. And uh, I decided to go with uh, something based out of. Uh, see, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where Paul talks about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. If you don't have love, faith and hope, and anything else sort of doesn't measure up in your life. So I hope you have that. If you don't, maybe listen to some of the things I'm talking about. Maybe that'll help. I hope so. That's what I'm here for. If you ever want to talk um, about that, faith, hope, and love, you can go to my website, and uh, you'll find ways to contact me there, Okay. So I hope you'll do that. And I'm going to get right into it. This, uh, These several articles are about uh, Christmas, oddly enough, because these were written prior to and up to uh, Christmas. So it still applies, though, because the story um, of Jesus being born is not something that is just, a, you know, something we tell in passing. It's something that's important because that's God coming to earth in flesh. He dwelt among us. Anyway... I'm going to get right into it. The first one is talking about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The first article that I wrote that I'm sharing today. And uh, I talk about, imagine getting gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh just for being born. Imagine that. You're, you're just born, and you get gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't have any friends, or I've never known anybody who got that. Well, it sounds like an awesome way to get started in life, right? And for most of us regular run-of-the-mill humans, it would be. But if your birth was foretold for hundreds or even thousands of years, and if there were a lot of people who wanted to make sure you never saw the light of day, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh might take on a whole new importance, don't you think? Well, consider the plight of a young, newly married couple. We'll call them, well, I don't know, Joseph and, let's see, Mary. That sounds normal, okay? Joseph and Mary. They've just gotten through an explanation of how Mary came to be pregnant before they were married. Imagine you're Joseph and your wife, who you know is supposed to be a virgin when you get married, is telling you she's pregnant. Huh? Well, you know what? It literally took visitations from angels to convince Joseph that Mary had remained chaste and also to convince Mary that she'd give birth to the Messiah. Yeah, they had to tell her that. And after that situation's cleared up, imagine how they find that they have to go on a long trip to be registered for the census, which was decreed by Augustus Caesar. I know you've heard of him. Well, they make a trip to a little town called Bethlehem, and this is while Mary's pregnant. And they find nowhere to stay since so many people are in town for the census registration. And next, they discover that King Herod has devised a plan to kill all the male children, two years old and younger, in Bethlehem in order to get to this possible Messiah. Herod had heard this newborn baby would be king of the Jews, and 
he didn't want any of that. Uh, he considered himself to be that. Well, Joseph receives another visitation from an angel telling him of Herod's plan. And the angel tells Joseph to take his baby and his wife to Egypt. Yikes, that's going to take a lot of money. Oh, wait. They have all that gold from the wise men and the others who came to worship the newborn king of the Jews. Right? Remember that? Well, then there is that trip to Egypt, how it'd be, you know, pretty treacherous with a newborn. I mean, the family would have to endure desert dryness and other harsh conditions. That's, that's no small thing. And I'd... Oh, wait. Yeah, they have the oil of frankincense. It's an excellent skin moisturizer. And it also helps support the immune system. Hmm. And the oil of myrrh. Hey, yeah, that's good, too. It's good for the skin. And uh, I've read where it has um, beneficial effects on the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and the amygdala glands. Well, you have to look those up. Anyway, it's supposed to help with emotional balance, you know. So this is pretty trying times we're talking about. So maybe they could use that, right? Well, in other words, it might not be a mere coincidence that Joseph, Mary, and their baby uh, named Jesus got these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It might have been God's wisdom and foresight. But, uh, hey, I'm just a writer who tells stories. What do I know, right? Uh, seriously, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, Christmas for a second. I hope you had a really good one. Uh, we had a nice, pleasant one here. My wife and I stayed home uh, alone this year. We watched Old Black and White of Christmas, uh, our Christmas favorites. Uh, the Let's see, The Bishop's Wife, Scrooge, and, of course, The Tip Top, It's a Wonderful Life. Got to watch that every year. It's just one of those things. That's something we do. We love to do that. Nothing like the old classics. But anyway, we had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you did too. Now, moving on down the road, since Christmas 2013 is just a memory, and, you know, now we're moving on down the road toward uh, 2014, I asked a question, you know, where do we go from here? I mean, before you know it, everyone will be talking about spring, then Memorial Day, then Fourth of July, then Labor Day, then Halloween, and then we'll all be talking about how early the Christmas music seems to be playing this year. Does that sound familiar? That happened this year to you? As a poet or some sort of writer or philosopher said one time, time waits for no man. The seconds tick in the rhythm of our hearts, and our hearts beat out the minutes and hours of our days. And then the days advance like an inspired army into the open arms of each passing year. There's nothing we can do about it. Or to turn back the days. Or to even stop the advance. We'll just keep moving on down the road. But what we can do something about is the road. Which road? Will we walk, run, or drive on the road? And where does the road go? These are questions within our powers to answer. They are. They're within our powers to answer, those of us who are humans. At least they're in our power to answer as long as we don't continue to vote ourselves deeper and deeper into tyranny. It's ironic that America, the ultimate symbol of freedom in the history of the world, should find itself on the brink of suicide. Yep, I said suicide. President Abraham Lincoln talked about this in an address to the Young Men's Lyceum in Springfield, Illinois, in 1838. Here's what he said. At what point shall we expect the approach of danger? By what means shall we fortify against it? 
Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined with all the treasure of the earth, our own accepted, in their military chest, with a Bonaparte for a commander, could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of freemen, we must live through all time or die by suicide. So Abraham Lincoln thought that uh, America was too powerful to destroy from without. He believed that if it ever is finished and is destroyed, it would be from within. And we see that happening. We see that happening every single day. And as we continue to reduce our own strengths and therefore embolden our enemies, we keep moving on down the road towards self-destruction. The irony is, it's also avoidable. It only takes free men and women to stand up and say, enough. That's what I'm saying right now. I hope you'll join me. And what if I am right? I just segued into the next thing here. I know most people disagree with my worldview. I know that. They believe it's wrong of me to ever say their lifestyle choice could lead them to hell. In other words, they think it's wrong of me to tell them they're wrong. You get how silly that is, even on the most elementary level? Well, for one moment, please consider this possibility. What if I am right? What if there's only one God, the God of the Christian and Jewish Bible? What if he really did all those things the Bible says he did? And what if he really did take on human flesh by being born of a woman? And what if he really did come here to take the punishment for sin that was due each and every one of us? And what if he really did suffer a torturous death on a cross of wood? And what if he really did rise from the dead to show us the way to eternal life in paradise with him? And what if all he asks in return is your belief and your love? Why in the world would you or do you not want that? Eternal life in paradise, that is. Let's say you're right when you say there is no heaven or hell. And let's say you're right when you say there's no God who created the universe and everything in it. Okay, assuming those assertions are correct, do they give you hope? Do they inspire love? Do they drive you to want to lift up your fellow man? Or do those assertions of a godless existence stir up a feeling of futility? Do they, do they fester inside you like a cauldron of boiling anxiety? After all, if these 60, 70, 80, 90, or even 100 years we have here on earth are all we have, we absolutely must live them for all they're worth. Since there won't be anything to look forward to after we die, our lives, by necessity, must account for so much more. On the other hand, what if I am right? What would you have to lose? Your sense of hopelessness and futility, that's what. And what would you stand to gain? Well, that which is written on the tablet of your heart, if you'll just open it up and read. Eternity. It's written on the tablet of your heart. Please give up your desire to be a God. 
with a little g. And instead, give your heart to the one true God who loves you. That's the way to eternal life in paradise. I'm just suggesting you check it out. See, what if I am right? And what I do is done with love. When I talk to you about this, it's done with love. Okay, the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 16, they sound more like a letter to friends than at any of the other parts in 1 Corinthians. Uh, In this part, you can read of his plans and suggestions and observations, and he exhorts the Corinthians to, quote, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, and let all that you do be done with love. And notice how Paul talks about love and strength together. If you're letting all that you do be done with love, you're not giving up one ounce of your strength. In fact, it's in love for your fellow man that your true strength is displayed. It's cool how often things come down to the golden rule. The way you would like to be treated is how you should treat others. And don't you like to be loved? Don't you like kindness and help when you need it? Don't you prefer peace? If you answered yes to those questions, you need to first give those things love, kindness, help, and peace. And think about how much easier it is to do something for someone when it's done with love. For example, if a kid is forced to help clean the house, you most likely won't see a happy kid. Yet, that same kid can clean the house for mom's birthday, and suddenly it wasn't a dreaded chore. The difference? Love. My whole website And all of my words and music uh, in faith, hope, and love are a project, an ongoing life's work, done with love for my fellow human beings. If you can read anything else into it, you're forcing your anti-Christian bias in between the lines. It's the only way I can see it. I don't seek to or go out of my way to offend. The truth just has a way of offending. It's unavoidable because of a gift God gave us from the beginning, our own will. My preference is to grow in my ability to trust in God's will. However, the vast majority of human beings seem to prefer to trust only in self. And so God's love seems offensive to them. If you don't feel love or loved, ask yourself, am I giving love? And if you think you'll somehow come off looking wimpy and weak, ask yourself this. What's the strongest emotion in human experience? It's love. Here's the only way my thesis can fail. Don't implement it. Don't try to love first. Don't reach out to others first. Don't help someone else first. Just keep waiting for it. Just keep waiting for these things to come to you. Keep waiting for someone to find you lovable. Keep waiting for someone to clean your house or fix your car or give you money. It's your choice. Wait for love and be done with love or experience overflowing love from what you did with love. You get that? I sure hope so. I believe that when you do this, peace will be with you. Even though this world is full of mean-spirited, dark, and evil people, there's something you can do to be To be sure, peace will be with you. Meditate. Okay? That's one of those words Christians have allowed Eastern and New Age religions to, you know, sort of quietly steal away from us. 
The word meditate, or some form of it, is found at least 20 times in the Bible, and every time it's used, it's used as a connection to God and or His Word. The definition of meditate is this, think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time. You get that? You're thinking deeply on something, and you're focusing your, your mind, you're focusing it for a period of time, not letting it wander. And it's derived, meditate is derived from the Latin word meditat, which comes from the verb meditari, from a base meaning measure, and that's related to the word meet, M-E-T-E, and in biblical use, meet means to measure out. So when Paul says, meditate on these things in, uh, in Philippians 4.8, and he talks about several things to meditate on, read that and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, he isn't recommending that you sit cross-legged with palms on knees in an open, quote, open position to bring some mystical power of the universe into your waiting soul. No, that's a self-centered meditation. Paul wants you to carefully consider what God's Word is saying to you and then carefully plan out how you apply it to your life and the lives of others. When you read about meditation in the Bible, you find the focus shifted from self to God. And self-centered meditation, that's just a circular journey. It, it doesn't go anywhere. God-centered meditation connects you with your Creator. When you meditate on His Word, you discover absolute truth. And knowing absolute truth exists and can be trusted is the only way to assure peace will be with you. I know that goes against uh, what you see and hear everywhere around you, but it's the truth. And, uh, for example, you know this. You know inside you when something is noble or just. You know it. When something or someone is pure and lovely, you know it. When something or someone is virtuous and, and worthy of praise, you know that. You know it. If and when you learn to meditate on these things, you turn your focus from problems to practicality from anxiety to action, and from despair to delight. It's not magical, and it probably won't even be immediate, but it's true and it works. At the very least, and at the very most, you'll be storing up your treasures in heaven. If you're not currently experiencing peace in your life, meditate on this for a while. You're a spectacular design of God. You're the only one like you in the universe. You don't believe me? Just check your fingerprints and DNA, and you get a deeper understanding of how unique you are. You may be small compared to other things terrestrial and celestial, but God didn't give stars and stones the knowledge of their own existence. He reserved that gift for human beings only. And God so loved us that He sent His only Son to us in order to make a way for us to live eternally in paradise with Him. If the Creator of heaven, earth, and everything in the universe thinks that highly of you, then you have every reason to be thankful and ecstatic for every breath of life. God's judgment and love is infinitely better than yours. Put your trust in His love, and His peace will be with you forever and ever. And as one oldie but goodie song said, forever is a long, long time. Uh, that's it for this week's Words and Music of Faith, Hope, and Love podcast. This is Tony Funderburk uh, wishing you a 
wonderful end of the year, and I want you to stay safe. I want you to stay, uh, have fun, but stay out of trouble. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, bring in the new year with joy and hopeful anticipation because every day is a day the Lord has made, and every year is another year that we're closer to being with Him forever. I guess that does it for me for this year. So I'll see you next year, and until then, God bless.